All right, uh, that was a little bit louder than I thought it would be. Good morning, everyone. Um, welcome to Redeemer. My name is Kevin Tapscott, and I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, so thank you for joining us here this morning. My guess is that um, anyone who is not here with us this morning is probably staying at home because feeling walking outside feels like you're on the surface of the sun. They don't want to walk outside and burst into flame uh, just to make it to church. And so um, I understand it is extremely, extremely hot. So drink lots of water, stay inside where it's nice and cool if you can. Um, <clears throat> but thank you for being here. Uh, today, uh, we are actually getting back into um, the Gospel of Luke. So for the last eight weeks, uh, up until last week, uh, Pentecost, as Myra was telling us, we were in a sermon series called Jesus, the Hope of All Nations. And we were looking at really all of Scripture, the entire Bible, and seeing how from Genesis to Revelation, it has always been about how Jesus is the Savior of the world, and he is the hope for every people, nation, tribe, and language. Um, and so we were taking a break from Luke to do that, but now we are back in the Gospel of Luke. And our sermon series um, is just simply called The Gospel According to Luke. And so uh, just as Myra just read the parable of the sower, uh, today we're looking at that parable, and it's probably a parable that many of us have heard before. Many of us are probably familiar with it. And the parable itself has to do with the proper way to hear, not merely listening, merely hearing, but the proper way to hear. And I think that this is something that intuitively, experientially, we get. Um, because whether it's us, whether it's someone else, we know what it's like to, to have someone say something and the other person just doesn't really hear it. Uh, they, they hear the words, they comprehend it, but they're not really listening. Maybe their mind is elsewhere. Maybe they are distraction, distracted. Maybe their minds are just kind of already made up. And so they're not really listening to whatever the person is saying. And there are any number of reasons that can cause a person to not really hear others well. And I think sometimes, especially that last example, is reflective of our hearts. Our hearts uh, are manifest themselves in how we hear other people. And so Jesus today, he's going to tell us that hearing the word of God is extremely important. And he's going to tell us how to hear the word of God properly. And he's going to tell us through his unique teaching style, which was through parables. And we're going to talk more about what a parable is and all of that stuff. Um, and so I just wanted to kind of jump right in um, and just kind of reread just as a refresher where we're at. So Luke chapter 8, starting in verses 4 through 8. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil, and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So this is the parable of the sower. That'll probably be the headline in all of your Bibles at the top of these sections. And it's one of about half of the parables in the Gospels that is explicitly stated, this is a parable. Um, and in Mark 4, this parable is there as well. And in there, Jesus says that this parable is extremely, extremely important because if you don't understand this parable, then you're not going to understand any of the parables. So no pressure for me, right? Just uh, a lot of pressure, actually. Um, but thankfully, as we'll see, Jesus, he's going to go on to explain the parable for his disciples because they were confused when they heard it. So that was going to help us out this morning. But our ability to understand this parable, and ultimately any parable, is not so much that we have the right data or the right information, but the key to understanding all of the parables, including this one, is to have the right kind of hearts. 
But I kind of want to start off by giving us just a, a brief overview of what a parable is, the nature of parables, and how to interpret them. Because if you've read through the Gospels, you've experienced there's lots of parables, and they are important to understand because they reveal to us much about God's kingdom and how we are to respond to the message of Jesus. And so, New Testament scholar Craig Blomberg, he says this about parables. A parable is a short metaphorical narrative. With or without an explicit comparison, it highlights aspects of the kingdom of God. It presents a series of events involving a small number of characters, most of which seemed realistic in Jesus' world. At least one element in most parables, however, pushes the boundaries of plausibility. Along with their context in the Gospels, this quality reveals that they are fictional works designed to disclose spiritual truths. So in Jesus' parables, he talks about things that were very common and very familiar to his audience at this time in the world and in history. Things like farming, fishing, banquets, family life, money, things they were all familiar with. But there was always spiritual truth ultimately that he was trying to communicate to them. And as Blomberg just said, there's usually someone or something that stands out in contrast from the other people or the other things in the stories, and it stands out in a way that is unique or surprising. Or something happens in the story that seems implausible or even just miraculous. And when that happens, that always gives us insight into Jesus' main point of the parable that he's trying to communicate. So, for example, in the parable that I just read, um, a harvest of a hundredfold, when a seed was sown, basically at this time would have been miraculous. So the fact that when this seed is sown, there's a miraculous harvest that gives you a key and insight into understanding what Jesus is trying to say in this parable. But parables ultimately are telling us something about the nature of the kingdom of God and the nature of the king of the kingdom, Jesus. And so throughout history, there have been different approaches to interpreting parables, some better than others, but Uh, As James Edwards says in his Luke commentary on this section, parables are not to be resolved merely through reason as you kind of stand on the outside of the parable, but when you fully enter into the parable, enter into the plot and the characters in the story, that's how you understand it best. And he compares parables to stained glass windows in a cathedral. He says they are dull and lifeless from the outside, but brilliant and radiant from within. Because... I think we all know, um, I've experienced this many times, parables that I've read and reread and studied. I go back to it again, and I'm just like, what does this mean again? I've completely forgotten everything. They can be confusing and difficult to understand, but spending time prayerfully meditating on the parable, on its meaning, asking the Holy Spirit to help you understand, and ultimately having a heart that is open to receive the truth of what Jesus is trying to communicate in this parable, these things can make parables understandable for anyone. And, praise be to God, we have plenty of great resources for free online. Commentaries, journal articles, blog posts. Um, even if you can get your hands on a, on a study Bible, that is immensely, immensely helpful just as you're reading parables, but really any passage of Scripture. So this is the main point that Jesus is trying to communicate in the parable of the sower. It's a common story about someone sowing seed on the ground to produce a crop. The seed falls on four different types of soil with varying degrees of success at growth and producing fruit. With the last one, the good soil, it's the only one that produces fruit at all, and it says that it produces fruit a hundredfold. So this was a society that it understood farming and agriculture. This scenario would have made perfect sense to everyone who was there listening. 
But there's obviously something special or unique about the last soil, the good soil that yielded that huge crop. So what that means is that that's something to pay attention to. That is key into understanding and properly interpreting this parable of the sower. And so Jesus, he ends by saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And if you've read the Gospels, you know that Jesus, he says this often. And he's not merely talking about those who physically have ears, whose auditory system is functioning properly so that they can audibly hear the words that are spoken. For surely this was the majority of the people who heard him speak. So it seems that Jesus is more referring to a particular type of hearing, not physically, literally being able to hear the words coming out of his mouth. And focusing on a particular type of hearing seems to have a connection to our hearts. And we'll talk more about that. Because there seems to be a proper way of hearing the parables of Jesus that yields a fuller understanding about Jesus in the kingdom of God, just as that last soil, the good soil, yielded a huge crop. But this type of hearing goes beyond merely understanding the plot of the story. And we see that because up next, Jesus' disciples, who undoubtedly understood the plot of the story that Jesus was saying, they're confused and they want some clarification on what the parable means. And we'll even gain some insight into why Jesus spoke in parables at all, which I think is helpful. So verses nine and 10. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. So, if you're like me at all, it's easy to kind of flinch at reading those verses from Jesus. Because it feels like Jesus is saying that he's trying to intentionally keep people from the kingdom of God. It kind of feels harsh. It feels unfair a little bit. It can feel confusing also as if he's preaching about the kingdom, but he doesn't actually want anyone to fully understand. But what I think Jesus is saying is that parables are meant to reveal what is already in a person's heart. They're meant to show if a person's heart is receptive to God and his word, or if that person's heart is hard-hearted and resistant to God and his word. So it says that God, he chose to reveal the secrets of his kingdom to the disciples, which ultimately, if you think about that, is remarkably beautiful because without God choosing to reveal himself to any one of us, me, you, and I, no one would be saved. He reveals and he saves because of his great love and grace. Because none of us deserve God's revelation or salvation. But because God is gracious and he delights to reveal himself and reconcile people to himself, he does reveal himself. He does save. And we know that it's because, not because we are so great or awesome or deserving, but because God is loving and gracious and kind. But there's also the reality that people have a choice in how they respond to God's word. God reveals his word and himself to us but we are responsible for our response to his revelation. And ultimately, our response reveals where our hearts are and how they are related to Jesus in the word of God. And so that's why Jesus, he quotes Isaiah 6, 9 and 10. That's the quotation there in those verses. And in that passage in Isaiah 6, it's one that we're probably all relatively familiar with. Isaiah, he sees an incredible vision of God and of the throne room of God. And Isaiah, he is completely overwhelmed by the holiness of God and completely undone by his own sinfulness. And that's when Isaiah famously says in Isaiah 6, 8, Here I am, send me. 
But there's two more verses after that that we're often inclined to stop reading or to forget. Verses 9 and 10, that's the mission that God is going to send Isaiah on when he says, here am I, send me. And that says, go, say to these people, keep listening, but do not understand. Keep looking, but do not perceive. Make the minds of these people dull, deafen their ears and blind their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their minds, turn back and be healed. It's quite the job description for Isaiah. Because ultimately, Isaiah, he's going to go out and prophetically declare to God's people that they have sinned against their God. They have broken their covenant with God and that they should confess and repent and return to God in obedience and worship. Ultimately, God is continually saying throughout all of history, but in the Old Testament, that he wants his people to do that. He wants to save them. He wants to bless them. He wants them to enjoy life with him and worship with him. And yet, God is telling Isaiah that God's people is not, they're not going to do this. Isaiah will proclaim this message from God, but God's people are not going to listen. And since they won't repent and return to God, God will judge them ultimately by sending the nation of Assyria to conquer them. And ultimately, that's what happens. So Isaiah calling out the sins of God's people and calling them to turn back to God really only served to heighten their sinfulness and rebellion all the more. Their hearts were already far from God. And because that was the case, they would not hear Isaiah. They would not see properly. And therefore, they would not be healed. So in this passage throughout all the scripture, we see God's sovereignty over all things and man's responsibility for their choices and how they respond to God and his word. And in the New Testament, this verse in Isaiah 6 was used to speak of the Jewish rejection of Jesus and the rejection of the gospel. So if you remember Luke, he wrote the gospel of Luke, and he also wrote a second volume, the book of Acts. And so Luke in Acts chapter 28, he quotes again um, Isaiah 6 to speak of the fact that the Jewish people were rejecting Paul's preaching of the gospel. So Paul says, just like back in Isaiah 6, you're rejecting the word of God. You're rejecting God himself. So I'm going to leave the Jewish people and I'm going to go preach to the Gentiles because they will listen. So in Isaiah, in Jesus' parables, the message of God serves to reveal what is already in people's hearts. Are they close to God? Do they want to receive his word and obey it? Or are they far from God? Are they rejecting God and his word and his ways? Jesus' parables serve to bring out all the more what is in people's hearts and how they are responding to Jesus. And then at the same time, we recognize, and we'll talk more about this, that any response of us in faith to Jesus is only by the grace of God. It's not our own efforts or intelligence or anything like that. It's by God's grace. So Jesus kind of talks about, this is why I speak in parables and then he goes on to explain the parables because his disciples were confused and they asked him to. So verses 11 through 15 of Luke 8. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. So Jesus explicitly says in the parable, the seed that is sown 
is the word of God. And so in the context, Jesus himself is the sower, sowing the word of God, that seed. But ultimately, the sower can be anyone who is proclaiming the good news of Jesus, the good news of the kingdom of God. So ultimately, the seed here represents the gospel message. And it's sown along different types of ground, which impacts whether or not the seed takes root at all and produces a crop at all. Some people think that um, the seed sown on the first three soils is reflective of different degrees of believers, ultimately those who produce none, some, a little, or a lot of fruit. But I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. I think the first three soils stand for those who ultimately are not true believers in Christ. But the last one, the good soil that bears fruit, is a genuine Christian who places faith in Jesus, endures in their faith in him, and by his grace and the power of the Holy Spirit produces fruit for God's glory. So ultimately, the parable is about the importance of how one hears the word of God, how one hears the gospel. Because each person, which is represented by the four different soils in the parable, are all said to have heard the word of God. They all hear, but only the last one bears fruit at all. The proper response to the word of God is faith in his word, as well as proper behaviors in accordance with God's word. And we know that these behaviors are not to earn saving faith, but are the result, the fruit of our saving faith in Christ. This is the fruit that is born when the seed of the gospel is planted in the good soil of the heart of someone who is open to receive the word of God in faith and obey it. To those that are captivated by the gospel of Jesus, and that gospel in Jesus himself captures their hearts. But the first three soils in this parable, they don't bear fruit because they are captivated and captured by other things. So the first soil the seed falls on is actually a path. So there's really no soil for the seed to take root in. And that's because Jesus says, this person hears the good news of Jesus, but the devil snatches it away from their hearts. So they can't receive it, they can't believe, and be saved. And so this points to the reality that Thabiti Anyabwile points out in his commentary on Luke that hearing the word of God is spiritual warfare. The devil does not want anyone to hear and respond to the word of God in faith. He will do anything he can to snatch that word away so that it does not take root in someone's heart. And I believe that that applies right now. For all of us in this room, the devil does not want us to hear the word of God in faith and obey it. But the Lord, of course, is infinitely stronger than the devil. That's why we pray for those who hear the gospel to receive it and to respond in faith. Because we need God's grace for us to be able to do that at all. And the good news is that this prayer works. The devil might succeed for a time at snatching the word away from someone's heart, but God can change a person's heart. He can work on them. He can help them to properly hear the gospel message and respond in faith. I just saw a tweet um, a couple of weeks ago about a man, I think in his 80s or 90s, who had just gotten saved. And his wife had prayed for him for 60 years, 60 plus years, for him to come to faith in Christ. And in his 80s or 90s, he finally did, and he was getting baptized in his old age. The seed of the gospel is powerful to produce a crop that no one could imagine. And God, he is powerful to soften a person's heart so that they are receptive to God's word and will respond in faith and salvation. So what this means for us is to keep sowing the word of God, pray against the schemes of the devil, and pray for God to change people's hearts, to respond to the gospel message in faith. So that's the first soil. The next soil is the rocky soil. 
this person also, they hear the word of God, just like the first soil, but it says that this person, they respond with joy. They receive it with joy. The seed begins to grow, but ultimately it withers because there are too many rocks and the roots cannot go down deep enough to get adequate moisture. Jesus says that person experiences trials and temptations and ultimately abandons the faith that they once professed. And if you've ever seen this happen in someone's life, you know how hard it is, how sad it is to see. Someone who quickly puts faith in Jesus and they seem to love Jesus so much. They love the gospel. The gospel is sweet to them. They love evangelism. They want to share this good news with others so that others too can come to know Jesus and his love the same way that they have. But just as quickly as they have professed faith, they've fallen away because it's hard for them to maintain faith in the midst of trials or the temptations of this world are stronger than the roots that are in Christ. So I think this, what this means is that we should pray for ourselves and for others to have strong, solid roots in the gospel of Jesus that will help you to endure the trials and temptations of life in faith rather than abandoning Christ. Because we know that when trials and temptations come, it can be hard. It can be challenging. So we need to pray for our hearts and the hearts of others. The third soil, it falls, the seed falls among the thorns um, in this third soil. And they, the thorns, they grow up with the plant and eventually choke the life out of the plant. So Jesus says that this is those who hear the word of God, but the different things of this world don't allow the seed of the gospel to grow and to produce fruit. And it says that this is the cares and worries of life, the riches and the pleasures of life, they grow up at the same time and they choke out the life of the gospel message. These aspects of life appear to be too big or too strong or more desirable to that person than Jesus. So this person's heart is captured more by the things of this world than by Jesus. And then the final soil is the good soil, the good soil that bears fruit. Jesus says, this person hears the word of God and the gospel just like the others, but the key difference is that their heart is different. Their heart is described as honest and good. So ultimately, this is a noble and virtuous heart that desires to know God's word and to receive God's word in faith. Other things do not snatch away God's word from their hearts. Other things do not capture their hearts more than the gospel, but they hold fast to Jesus. They hold fast to the word of God in faith. And the result of this is that over time, they bear fruit. The ESV, what I just read, it says they bear fruit with patience. But other translations talk about the endurance and the perseverance in bearing fruit. Because just like in farming, fruit doesn't come overnight. There is patience, there is endurance, there is perseverance. As you put faith in Jesus and follow him, it requires a heart that is open to him and desires to receive his word as it is, and to respond to the word of God in faithful obedience. And over time, with patience, with endurance, with perseverance, the Holy Spirit produces fruit in the life of this person who has the heart of a good soil. The fruit that is born is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's the fruit of justice, righteousness, mercy, and compassion. The fruit of evangelism, of sharing the good news with others, scattering the seed of the gospel. It's the fruit of desiring and treasuring Jesus above all of the other things of this world. And all of this requires consistent endurance and patience. None of these things in the Christian life happen overnight. 
And if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you know that the cares and the worries and the anxieties and riches and pleasures of this world are always close at hand to take our hearts off of Jesus and on to something else. But we must hold fast to the word of God in the gospel. We must ask God to give us honest and good hearts, and we must keep our eyes on Jesus. He will help us to endure, and he will help us to, prefer, to produce fruit by God's grace and for God's glory. Just as Jesus, he will go on to say in the next chapter in Luke, Luke chapter 9, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me daily. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. This is a daily effort and endurance to, by God's grace, one foot in front of the other, follow Jesus. But I think it's worth noting that the good soil is not someone who is smarter or more capable than others. It's not that the word of God has been more fully explained or taught to them than to others. It's not that they are just better people than others. None of these things are true. Rather, they are those who are the recipient of God's love and grace in Christ Jesus. Them being good soil, having good hearts, and bearing fruit is not the result of their efforts, but it's all God's grace. For we know that every aspect of the gospel, every aspect of the Christian life is by God's grace. Because we are just all undeserving sinners. All of our hearts are naturally inclined away from the things of God and towards the things of the world. But God loves us enough to save us from sin, to save us ultimately from ourselves. God pursues us in Christ to be forgiven and saved and to bear fruit for his glory. This, of course, starts with us hearing the good news, but how we respond to the good news reveals what is in our hearts. It reveals what our hearts desire and whether our hearts are near or far from God. So there's both the call to respond to the gospel with an honest, good heart in faith and the reality that this only happens by God's grace. It is not by our efforts. But ultimately, hopefully, we all have this type of heart that is inclined toward Jesus, inclined toward the word of God, and wants to know more about God and his word and receive it in faith. So considering this parable is about hearing God's word properly with a good heart, I think it makes sense for all of us to reflect a little bit on our own hearts, the status of our hearts now, today. Where is your heart? Do you desire God and his word? Do you want to be more like Jesus? Do you want more of Jesus in your life? Or do you feel like your heart is far from God? Is your heart captured by the things of this world more than by Jesus? And reflecting on that, whatever the answer is, ask yourself also, what can you do to be more receptive to the word of God and to pursue Jesus with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength? And then, of course, this parable is also about hearing. So, how are you hearing the word of God? Does God's word go in one ear and out the other? Does it not go deep down into your heart? Do you only hear what you want to from God's word? Do you pick and choose what you like and don't like? Do you ignore parts of God's word or change what it says so that it's more comfortable for you? Do you hear the word of God, but you don't obey it? Again, ask yourself, how might you hear the word of God better? How might you hear in a way that is listening in faith, in responding, in trust, in obedience? And again, this is all by God's grace. So ask God to give you a noble, virtuous, honest, good heart in Christ. Ask him to help you to understand his word and to receive it in faith. 
Ask him to help you to respond to every aspect of God's word in trust and obedience. Ask him to help you ultimately to be more like Jesus in all things and to endure in the faith and to bear fruit by God's grace and for God's glory. And the good news is that these are prayers that God loves to answer. And I believe that he will answer those prayers. And so ultimately, I think as you're reflecting on the status of your own heart today, it is important to be honest, to be honest where your heart is at right now, because maybe your heart feels far from God. Maybe there are parts of God's word that you don't like or parts that you're not obeying. Maybe you feel dry or dull in your heart or callous or apathetic to God's word. I think I've felt this recently in my own life, in my own heart, but especially studying this passage has helped me to be more honest with where my heart is at. And I think my heart does just feel kind of dull. My heart feels kind of far from God. The word of God to me feels kind of familiar and uninteresting. I don't feel captivated by the beauty of Jesus. But the thing is, as I know that those things are true. And so I'm asking God to work on my heart to help me to see how wonderful he is, how blessed life in Christ is, how beautiful the gospel is, because I know those things are true. They may not feel true right now, but my feelings do not determine what is truth. Your feelings do not determine what is true. So be honest with where your heart is right now. God will answer these prayers as you bring them to him. And so if any of that resonates with you about your heart feeling far from God or apathetic or anything like that, I would say be honest. Tell it to God. Bring it to God in prayer. Tell it to a friend here at Redeemer. It's okay for that to be where you're at in your Christian life. It's okay for that to be where your heart is at. But don't stay there. Do something about it. Respond to God in prayer. Respond by bringing it to others and asking them to pray for you. Look to God's grace and the support of fellow believers to let God do what he wants to in your heart. Because like I said, I believe that God wants to answer those prayers and that he will. He's a good God. He cares about you and your heart. And then also pray for the hearts of others. Just because they might be one of the first three soils in this parable does not mean that they will always stay there. Case in point, that man in his 80s or 90s. And a point in this parable is that the kingdom of God, the seed of the word of God, is immensely powerful to produce heart change and bring about a miraculous crop of a hundredfold. So keep praying for those in your life who don't know Jesus. Keep sharing the gospel with them. And so as you're examining your own heart, your own life, who is someone that you can be praying for this week to put put their faith in Christ? Who is someone this week that you can share the gospel, the good news of Jesus with? And ask God to reveal those things to you and to give you insight, but to give you boldness. Because especially as it pertains to sharing the good news with others, it is glorious good news, but it requires boldness. But again, these are prayers that God loves to answer. And so next, Jesus moves on and he shares another metaphor that helps to further explain and to illustrate the parable of the sower that he just explained for his disciples. In verses 16 through 18, Jesus says this, No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And for the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. So Jesus now, he kind of changes metaphors. And now in this metaphor, the word of God is a light that comes from a lamp. 
And so just as the sower freely scatters the seed of the gospel in the previous parable, so we, just as Jesus did, should shine the light of the gospel as far and wide as we can. We should not cover the light of the gospel with a jar or put it under a bed, for that light, if you cover it, will not illuminate the darkness around it. And people are lost in darkness. And Jesus desires that they come into the light and be saved through faith in him. He desires that the light of God's kingdom spread far and wide and triumph over the powers of darkness. So we need to shine our light far and wide for all the world to see, to illuminate the darkness of this fallen world. But the sad reality is that a lot of times Christians can do things to hide the light of Christ rather than shine it far and wide. We can fail to hold fast to God's word with an honest and good heart. We can fail to bear fruit with patience. We can fail to love our neighbor as ourself. We can fail to pursue justice and righteousness and mercy and compassion for all. In fact, the, the sad reality is that sometimes Christians can be downright harsh or mean or rude or hateful to others. These things can hide the light of the gospel of Jesus. And my hope and prayer for everyone and for Redeemer Church is that that would not be true of our lives. May we follow Christ and be like Christ in all things. May people see our lives. May they experience our love and hear of the glorious good news of Jesus. And may what, our, what we say with our mouths and demonstrate with our lives be attractive to them. May they want to know more and be more interested in the God that we speak of, serve, and represent. May they never be put off or repulsed by the light that we shine. But ultimately, Jesus is saying that this light, the light of the gospel, the light of the kingdom of God is shining all over. And it's a light that reveals what is hidden and secret. And so in light of the parable of the sower right before this, this light is talking about how the word of God, the gospel, the kingdom, reveals what is already in people's hearts. It reveals what type of soil they are and whether they are open to receiving Jesus because they are captivated by Jesus or they are rejecting Jesus because they are captivated by the things of this world. So Jesus at the end, he gives command to Take care then how you hear, because hearing is ultimately a matter of the heart. What we hear with our ears goes into our hearts, and then our response reveals whether we believe in Jesus and are saved or if we have rejected him. That is why Jesus says those who have will be given more. Their hearts are open and receptive to the word of God. They're open and receptive to Jesus himself. So therefore, they are saved by God's grace through faith in Christ. He gives them every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, and he continues to help them to further understand God's word and to become more like Jesus. What they have, they will be given more. But, Jesus says, that those who hear God's word and are not receptive to it reveal that no matter how much they think that they possess in this life, ultimately, they have nothing. Because if they don't have Christ, then they have nothing. Given that they heard the gospel and it revealed the sinfulness of their hearts and it revealed their rejection of Jesus, ultimately, Jesus says, everything will be taken away from them in judgment. For they failed to put their faith in the one and only Son of God who died on the cross for the sins of the world. So Jesus says, to take care how you hear the word of God. It is no small matter for it reveals what is in our hearts. And I want to add a disclaimer that none of what I'm saying today is to cause anyone to doubt their salvation or to fear that you might lose your salvation. 
Jesus says that all those that the Father promised him will come to him and that no one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. So if you are in Christ by faith, then your salvation is secure. Also, none of what I'm saying today is to burden anyone to thinking that all you have to do is to work harder and then you'll have a good heart or work harder and then you'll produce fruit. This doesn't work. If you've ever tried it, it does not work. We can't do these things in our own strength. The entire Christian life is by God's grace through faith. We are just called to look to and trust in Jesus, to pursue him with our whole hearts and to see the fruit that he produces in and through our lives. We are called to obedience, yes, but that is only by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So as the hymn says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So look to Christ. Have your heart open to him to receive the word of God and to respond to the word in faith, in obedience, and worship. Don't let the things of this world capture your hearts away from Jesus because Jesus is better. Jesus is all that you need. But Jesus does issue a sober warning for all of us to hear, to take care how we hear. For to hear the word of God, but to have a heart that does not take it into consideration, a heart that does not take root, where the seed does not take root in our heart, or a heart that is too preoccupied or captivated by the things of this world, whether it's the riches or pleasures of this world or the cares and worries of this world, is to reveal that your heart is far from God. You stand opposed to him, and ultimately, there is judgment awaiting. You choose to stay in darkness. Because this is what John 1 says. Jesus, he came into the world to bring life, for his light to shine in the darkness of this world. But it also says that people, they don't recognize him. They don't receive him. But they remain in the darkness of their evil deeds because they want to. They prefer the darkness over the light of Christ. But it says that those who do receive him, who are the good soil by God's grace and have an honest and good heart by God's grace— that he gave those who believe in his name the right to become children of God. And this invitation to receive Jesus in the word of God, deepen your heart in faith, to be saved, to bear fruit for God's glory, this invitation is open to anyone. There are no exclusions. And so be encouraged. If you are in Christ through faith, then you are God's child. You are part of God's family. And this invitation is for all. So I would encourage you all, put your faith in Jesus. Be saved. Be welcomed into the family of God. For this family is made up from every nation and walk of life and has family ties that ultimately are even deeper than biological family here on this earth. And that's just how Jesus finishes our section today in verses 19 through 21. It says, Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Taking care how you hear the word of God, hearing God's word fully with your heart, and responding in faith in Jesus in obedience to God's word means that you are welcomed by God to become an adopted son or daughter of his. You are welcomed into the family of God. And as the family of God, who are also all citizens of God's kingdom— we are to trust in and follow and imitate King Jesus. We should desire Jesus and God's kingdom above all else. 
We should let the light of Christ shine brightly in the world as we proclaim the gospel and live lives consistent with the gospel. We should continually hear the word of God well, receiving it and responding to it with open hearts full of faith and trust in Jesus. And then we should bear fruit for the sake of the gospel and the glory of Jesus in the world as we daily take up our crosses and follow him. And we can be encouraged. This is a parable about how to hear the word of God properly with our hearts. We can be encouraged that God's word is strong. It is powerful to produce a crop, a miraculous crop of a hundredfold in a heart that is open and receptive to the word of God. God's word will not return void, but will accomplish all of God's purposes for God's glory. And in that, we can take comfort, and in that, we can find our hope. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that your word will not return void. God, thank you that you have revealed your word, you have revealed yourself, you have revealed your son, Jesus, to us. Because without your revelation, Lord, none of us could be saved. Thank you, Lord, that you give us, by your love and grace, good hearts, honest, good hearts that respond to the word of God, the gospel message in faith. That, Lord, by your grace, through faith in Jesus, we are forgiven and we are saved. God, we are given new hearts. We are made new creations in Christ. We are welcomed into the family of God. We are part of the kingdom of God. And by your grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, daily walking in faith, following Jesus, God, we can bear fruit by your grace and for your glory. So Lord, I pray that you would continually give us, all of us here today, good hearts. Hearts that are open and receptive to the word of God, to the gospel of Jesus. That the gospel would be sweet, that Jesus would be beautiful to our hearts. And that we would pursue you, that we would know you more, and that we would become more like Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. God, that our light would shine brightly for all the world to see the gospel message, to see who Jesus is, who, what Jesus is like, and that you would do a mighty work, produce a crop of a hundredfold in our own lives, Lord, and that as we're doing that, Lord, we would also scatter seed. We would also shine light brightly so that others can come to know you too, Lord. May these things be true of each, one, each person here, each individual heart here, and may these things be true of Redeemer Church. And may it all be by your grace and for your glory. And so we love you, Lord, and we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.